in the southwestern part of Vermont, nestled near the Glastonbury Mountains, is a place that Native Americans would call cursed. The area that includes some of the towns such as Bennington, Woodford, Shaftesbury, and Somerset have been the home to not only strange sights and smells, but also various UFO and Bigfoot sightings. New England paranormal author Joseph A. Citro named the area the Bennington Triangle in 1992 for all of the strange occurrences that happen in the beautiful, yet spooky mountains. It is a place where things are seen, but also a place where people go to never be seen again. In today's story, we take a look at all of those who disappeared in the Bennington Triangle. Hi, my name is Missy and I'm about to take you on a wild ride. Stories with plot twists, shocking endings, and unbelievable truths. Trust me when I tell you that this story is nuts. The towns of Somerset and Glastonbury in Vermont were flourishing as logging and industrial towns at first. But by the late 19th century, resources had been drained and the towns would become ghost towns, being declared unincorporated by the state register in 1937. The area, full of dense forests and mountains, would still be used for hunting and hiking, and 74-year-old Mitty Rivers knew the area very well. Mitty was an avid outdoorsman and hunting guide. And on November 12, 1945, Mitty would agree to take a group of four into the southwest woods of Glastonbury through a place called Hell Hollow. As the group finished their hunt and worked their way back down the mountain, Mitty would get ahead of them on the path. The group would soon lose sight of him, but they wouldn't worry about Mitty, since they knew he was a skilled outdoorsman. However, after they arrived back at camp, and Mitty never did, they soon would organize a search party realizing something had gone terribly wrong. The search party would consist of 300 locals and army soldiers who were dispatched from Fort Devens in Massachusetts. It would last a total of eight days. The only thing that would be found was a rifle cartridge. It was the same type that Mitty had been known to use. No evidence of animal attack and no body was ever found. A year later, on December 1, 1946, 18-year-old sophomore at Bennington University, Paula Jean Weldon, had just finished her shift at the university dining hall. She had stayed on campus over Thanksgiving break and spent her time working and studying. After her shift, she returned to her dorm room, telling her roommate that she decided she wanted to go for a long walk. Paula would change into jeans, sneakers, and a bright red jacket and head out the door at 2.45 p.m. Paula would be seen by a gas station employee who worked across the street from the college. At around 3 p.m., another man named Louis Knapp would claim to have picked up a hitchhiker and given her a ride to the entrance of the long trail. Despite the fact that his description does match Paula, it is unknown if the woman that Louis picked up that day was actually Paula herself. Paula is spotted yet again around 4 p.m., getting on the 275-mile-long path known as the Long Trail. It is also said that an elderly couple had been on the trail slightly behind Paula, about 100 yards or so, 
As Paula turned a corner in front of them, she disappeared and was never to be seen again. When Paula did not return to class the next day on December 2nd, worry would set in. The temperatures on the evening of December 1st were supposedly freezing, and Paula hadn't been seen since she entered the trail. Paula's father would quickly make the 160-mile drive from his home in Sanford, Connecticut to Bennington. Paula's father would organize a massive search party for his missing daughter, and it would include hundreds of volunteers from both the college and the community. Even the Boy Scouts joined in on the search. Police from surrounding states such as New York and Connecticut would also assist. Paula's father would consult a psychic, and then he would also offer a $5,000 reward if Paula was found alive. 2000 if she was found dead, according to some sources. Newspapers would hire private eyes to find out any information, while police would bring in anyone who seemed suspicious to give them a polygraph. The search for Paula Jean Weldon would be called off on December 16, 1946, and her story would be one of the most well-known disappearances on the Long Trail. Three years later, on the exact same day that Paula went missing, a man named James Tefford would also disappear. However, his disappearance was a lot more baffling. Not too much is known about James or his younger years. However, it is known that in 1914, James was 55 and married to a 28-year-old woman named Pearl. James was active in the military and was away from home for a while, and when he returned home, he discovered that Pearl was gone. Now, it's unknown whether or not she left him on purpose. However, sources do state that her belongings were still at the home, and she was the only thing that was gone. James would go on to live in what is called a soldier home after his wife went missing. Sometime after this, James would go to visit his family in St. Albans, and after his visit, James would be returning to Bennington by bus on December 1st, 1949. The trip from St. Albans to Bennington normally is about an eight-hour trip, and on this day, it would take longer due to snow. The bus would travel a route through the Green Mountain National Forest, and James would be seated in the back, and according to the other 14 passengers, he had been sleeping. As the bus finally reached its destination in Bennington, all 14 passengers, as well as the bus driver, were shocked to discover that James was gone. No one saw him exit the bus. His luggage was still on the luggage racks, and an open bus timetable was still on his seat. No one saw where James had went, and he had vanished into thin air. Another year would pass before yet again the Bennington Triangle would claim another. On October 12, 1950, 8-year-old Paul Jepson would be left in the back of a pickup truck by his mother, as she went to tend to some pigs that they owned. Paul would be playing happily when his mother left him for a little over an hour, but when she returned, she could not find her son. As with the other disappearances, hundreds of people would gather to search for the missing boy, and they had hoped that they'd be able to find Paul, since he was wearing a bright red jacket. But, like the others in Bennington, they were unable to find him. Bloodhounds were able to locate Paul's scent and trace it to a crossroad near the Long Trail. However, the scent would be lost, signaling a possible abduction from this location. Paul's father would later state that Paul had been wanting to visit the mountains for several days, 
before he went missing, and that Paul had stated that the mountains had called to him. Only 16 days after the disappearance of Paul Jepson, 53-year-old Frida Langer would also disappear under mysterious circumstances. Frida had been camping with family in the Glastonbury Mountains, and Frida would leave their camp to attempt to hunt with her cousin, Herbert Elsner. But only a few hundred yards from camp, Frida would fall into a stream. Uninjured, Frida would laugh about getting herself soaking wet and would ask Herbert if he would wait for her while she returned to camp for a change of clothes. Herbert would agree, and Frida would make her way up the path, the few hundred yards, only to leave Herbert waiting for her return. When an hour passed, Herbert began to get concerned and would also return to camp, but Frida had never made it back to camp. In fact, Frida had disappeared in broad daylight, not very far from her own camp. 400 people would join in the search for Frida, both by land and by air, but the search would soon be called off, yielding no trace of her. Seven months later, on May 12, 1951, Frida Langer's decomposed body would be found in an area that had been thoroughly searched by volunteers as well as bloodhounds. Her body was so badly decomposed that the medical examiner was unable to pinpoint an exact cause of death. How or why Mitty, Paula, James, Paul, and Frida disappeared into the place known as the Beddington Triangle is still a mystery. Speculation, of course, ranges everywhere from Bigfoot to alien abduction. The Native Americans had firmly believed that the area was cursed and that people could be swallowed up whole in these mountains. In a book written by Michael C. Dooling about the Triangle, entitled Clueless in New England, he speculates that perhaps the cause was not paranormal at all. Dooling believes that perhaps a serial killer had been roaming the mountains, taking advantage of the people like Paula Weldon, and according to him, at least two other cases in nearby towns are similar enough to prove it. Dooling is referring to the cases of two missing women, Martha Jones, who disappeared November 6, 1950, and Frances Christman, who went missing on December 3, 1950. Both cases have never officially been tied to each other or to Paula's, and both cases have few details surrounding their disappearances. In the cases of Mitty and Frida, both were avid outdoors people who spent a considerable amount of time outside and would be more equipped with knowledge that it would take to survive in the wilderness. So what happened to both of them? How would they have gotten so lost that they were unable to find their way, especially with Frida only a few hundred yards from her own camp? And then Paul and Paula. They could have likely gotten lost in the mountains. Or, in the case of Paul, he very well could have been abducted, since his scent was lost at that crossroads. Maybe Paula had also suffered the same fate, falling victim to a random person on the trail who noticed that she was alone. Both, in my mind, are extremely likely, since a body was never found. When it comes to James, however, the man who literally went missing off of a moving bus, I, like everyone else who looks into this case, am completely baffled. The only theory that I myself can come up with is that James did in fact get off the bus without being noticed. But then why would he leave all of his belongings? I have been obsessed with true crime and stories such as this for an extremely long time. Actually, ever since I was a kid. And one of the things that I have found when I study true crime is that eyewitness accounts 
are not always the most credible. Maybe, just maybe that's the case here. Maybe the people who claim to have seen the people who have went missing in the mountains did not actually see what they thought they saw. But I am not going to say that the coincidences in this story are not, well, nuts. Paul and Paula were both wearing red jackets the day they went missing, plus their names, Paul and Paula. Paula and James went missing on the exact same day, only three years apart. And all of the people who went missing in the story went missing the last three months of the year. Now, no matter what, whether you believe in superstition, the paranormal, or that a serial killer was roaming the long trail, this is the type of story that might leave you scratching your head and keep you up all night. All we can really say is that something was, or still is, happening in the Bennington Triangle. And what that is, we just might never know. Now, as always, I am very curious as to what you think is going on in the Bennington Triangle. So if you have a theory, please go on that Facebook page. It's facebook.com backslash this story is nuts podcast. If you haven't liked that page and, and subscribed or tried to follow, do that now so that you actually are up to date on all of the stories that we cover on the podcast. If you have a story suggestion, now if it's an your own personal story, I would love to hear it. Or if it's just a story you want to hear on the podcast, it is thisstoryisnuts at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram at thisstoryisnuts and on Twitter at storynuts. I'm not as active on those other two, but I will definitely love to communicate with you in any way, shape, and form. So go ahead and find me like Comment, subscribe, whatever you need to do. And and get your friends too. If your friends like true crime, please help me by giving a suggestion. I would really appreciate it just as much as I appreciate all of you. Come back next week for an all new episode of This Story is Nuts, which drops every single Wednesday at midnight. So as soon as midnight comes around, you can listen to the all new episode. Thanks for tuning in today. And until next time, Stay nutty. This Story's Nuts was written and produced by Missy Rees, with theme music by Logan Rees off of Groovepad.